The AAPA conference is coming up May 18th through 22nd in Houston. I'm so sad that I will not be there, but some of my favorite people will be. So I want to make sure that y'all know who to look out for. So if you're heading down to the conference, make sure you go by the Blueprint and Rosh Review table. They're giving away all kinds of stuff stethoscopes, seats in the review course. They're talking about how Rosh Review has joined Blueprint and what that looks like. But definitely go stop by, say hi, get some swag, tell them I said hello, uh, and it'll be a really good time. I'm sure y'all will have an awesome time in Houston. Make sure you go to Torchy's Tacos, my absolute favorite, and spend some time in the exhibit hall exploring we know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, pants review courses, now is the time. And usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out. Okay, guys, I'm so excited to introduce you to one of our coaches, Julia. And she is a new grad PA who's currently waiting to start her job in pediatric endocrinology, which I think is super interesting, and you're going to hear a lot more about that in our interview. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for listening on Valentine's Day. Even if you're listening later, this episode went live on Valentine's Day. So if you are celebrating with someone, have fun. If you are kind of rocking this by yourself, then I give you permission to go out and treat yourself. So get some ice cream, get some cake, go to a nice dinner, buy yourself something. Do something nice because you should love yourself. All right, that was super cheesy. I apologize. But I... As always, I'm excited about this episode, really because I got to kind of deep dive with one of our pre-PA coaches, Julia, who just started with us this past fall after she graduated from PA school. Um, and the more that I talked to her, the more I realized we're kind of the same person. And she is just very similar to me, which is why I feel so lucky to have her on the PA platform team I'm Savannah, by the way, Savannah Perry. I am in Georgia. I'm a dermatology PA, and as of this week, I am 30 years old. I've been a derm PA for five and a half years now, and time flies. It just goes by so quickly. So, again, cheesy, but make the most of it and really enjoy every minute. But I'm so thankful to have you listening. If you've been listening for a long time and you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you could, on iTunes or wherever you listen, just give a review or at least just Tell me how many stars you like it, ideally five. If there's something you don't like, tell me. Um, you can always reach out on social media or shoot me an email. Um, but I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. All right, there's a couple things that I want you to be aware of before we get into the episode. Um, so conferences. There are a ton of pre-PA conferences now, which is awesome. Um, and I want you to know about them. So the Northeastern pre-PA conference, that's the one I spoke at last year in New Jersey, um, is happening again this year at the College of St. Elizabeth, and that is on July 25th. So um, it is in New Jersey. You can fly into Newark and the airport is right there. Um, and I will be there again. 
We'll also have Brian Palm there from My PA Resource, and they are a sponsor of the podcast, as you know. So if you need help before the conference, um, make sure you check out myparesource.com and use the code FUTUREPA for a discount there. Um, but you can get your tickets um, through the link I'm going to put in the description. And they have graciously given us a 50% off code if you are registered by March 31st. So that is a big deal. That makes the conference cost only $40, which is amazing. Um, and so the code for that is PA Platform 50. And um, again, I'll put that in the description with the link. And I would love to meet you there and see you there. And last year we had over 100 people. I think this year will be even bigger and even more awesome. So that is really exciting. For you West Coast people, there are also a couple conferences coming up. There is um, Loma Linda is hosting a conference. And I'll put that link in the description as well. Um, it is in April. I think it's early April. And then um, Journey to PA School, Anthony also has a conference that's in South Southern California. So I'll put a link to that as well or to where to find him once I have that information. Um, so yeah, lots of options. And then there's AAPA, which is having a pre-PA track in Nashville on May 16th, which I will also be at and I am so excited for. We usually do a social media meetup. I'm thinking from what I've heard, it's going to be on Friday this year. So if you can make it to that, it is a lot of fun. You may have seen pictures and videos from that last year. Um, but I got to dance with the dancing PA, Tony, um, and just a lot of stuff. So it was really, really fun. Um, all right, so we're about to jump into our interview. I also wanted to mention PA School Prep, and you can use that same code FUTUREPA on paschoolprep.com if you need help with anatomy, physiology, and med terms before you jump into PA school. So check that out, and you can also use that code on the PA platform. Um, it works on the interview guide. It works on the interview course, really anything on there, mock interviews. So, all right, we'll talk to Julia and she can help you with mock interviews if you need help. And whenever you do go to book a mock interview, you have a choice between choosing based on time or choosing a specific coach if you decide um, that you need that help. So if you run into any issues, just let us know. And I'm excited to introduce you to Julia. So I'm Julia. I am one of the pre-PA coaches with the PA platform, and I am also a recent graduate from a PA program, and so I'm kind of in that transition phase waiting to start a job. Um, in the spring, I'll be starting a job in pediatric endocrinology. Interesting. That's fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, okay, so give us a little background on kind of your... I always say the word journey. It's like the bachelor, but your journey <laughs> to becoming a PA, like what was kind of, what made you decide to become a PA? Okay. So I actually decided to become a PA kind of late into my undergraduate education. I was a dietetics major uh, in undergrad. So I was studying dietetics. I was also a student athlete at the time. So my entire sort of life goal was to combine those two things and work in sports nutrition. And I think that one of the things that a lot of people don't know about the dietetics field is that your training is very, very science heavy. So you take all of the same core science coursework that a pre-med takes. So you're taking, you know, bio and chem and anatomy, physiology, all of those types of courses on top of more of those nutrition-focused courses like metabolism and uh, medical nutrition therapy and those types of things. And, you know, during my 
education, I sort of found myself being really captivated by the core sciences more so than the nutrition coursework, which was very different from my peers and my classmates at the time. They were much more um, really, really into those nutrition classes and then sort of just getting through those those core science classes. And so I kind of immediately saw that maybe I didn't quite fit um, with, with the nutrition field and I still love it. And I think nutrition is extremely important and I respect the heck out of dietitians. But for me, I just felt like, um, the scope of what they were doing was not exactly where I saw myself. I saw myself more in, um, you know, the diagnosis and in the treatment and, and things like that, rather than, um, just the nutrition piece. I shouldn't even say just the nutrition cause that's huge, but, um, it just wasn't sort of the scope that I was looking for. So, I started talking to um, my human biology professor, who is also actually um, the advisor for all the pre-meds in um, our school. And she really sort of um, started talking to me about my options and saying, you know, what my um, prerequisite coursework would allow me to do. And we were kind of talking between becoming a doctor and going to med school or a PA and so I kind of was exploring both fields at the time, shadowing, doing all sorts of things, um, landed on PA, um, <clears throat> because mainly because I wanted something that I didn't have to do an additional four years of school for, um, because I already had, you know, a four year of the, like the course sciences and all this stuff under my belt, I already had it done. And so the thought of sort of going back and, and repeating, um, you know, those things. And, um, I just, I felt like I wanted to just sort of get in the field more quickly. And so PA was kind of the route I chose. And so I kind of had to kick it into high gear. I didn't have any direct patient care experience at the time because all of my experience at that time was working in nutrition because to be a dietitian, you also have to do an internship and you need a certain number of hours working in that field. So I was sort of accruing hours there and had no patient care experience that would qualify me for PA school. So kind of kicked into high gear, did a summer course in um, CNA certification, um, started working 30 hours a week as a CNA on top of being a full-time student. And so um, the journey was kind of rushed, but it, it felt right. So I knew it was sort of what I needed to do. Um, and it worked out and I am glad that I made this choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of find it and realize, oh, this is what I was looking for. Right. Um, and that's, yeah, it was like, it's like exactly what I was looking for that I didn't know existed right. until someone directed me towards it. Yeah. So. You actually remind me of one of my best friends in PA school because she was a student athlete. She did soccer and um, she was planning on doing PT pretty much the whole time mm -hmm. until kind of later in her senior year when she, I think she was shadowing a PT and that was her first interaction with a PA. And she was like, wait, this is actually what I want to do. And yeah. ended up kind of last minute getting everything done and going mm -hmm. to PA school. So, um, yeah, it's definitely okay if you don't know right away what you want to do. Um, so you decided to go to school. Now, did you have to take a gap year because of that? Or were you able to still like apply and go straight into school? Kind of what was the timing like on that? So I, d I did have to take the gap year, uh, simply because I was still, I was a senior, um, in college when I was applying for pay programs. Okay. So then sort of after I graduated from undergrad is when 
the interviews started rolling in. So there was that whole sort of year of interviewing. And, um, and then once I chose a program, it was sort of waiting for that program to start. So I just worked um, in the interim and just kind of waiting. So yeah, I did have to take that gap year. But it was fine because a huge portion of that gap year was interviewing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I would have done interview season as a full-time student and working. I don't know how I would have done it. So kudos to people that do it, but I don't know how I would have done that. So yeah, Yeah, my, the two classes I had to skip for interviews were not very happy with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, But okay. So when it came time to apply, what did you look for in deciding where you were going to apply and how many schools did you narrow that down to? So I sort of operated early on from a place of fear, like, oh my gosh, I just need to get in somewhere because I don't want to have to do this again. So I essentially was very, I'm very detail oriented. I made a, a spreadsheet and on it was every single program in the country. I oh, like wow. went on. Yeah. And then, so I went in and checked the boxes. Um, if I had the the prerequisite coursework that it required, cause some of them, they differ a little bit, some of them. And so I found that my prerequisite coursework qualified me for some of the programs, but not all of them. So if I didn't apply based on my coursework, I crossed it off. Um, and then I looked at their, um, PCE hour requirement and went through and crossed off ones whose criteria I didn't meet for that. And then, so I sort of just kind of eliminated schools based on, um, those things, uh, just the criteria. And if I was meeting it, and then once I sort of had a list of all of the schools that I was qualified to apply to, um, I looked mainly at areas that I wouldn't mind living in (laughs) because I mean, there's certain, um, yeah, it's important. So, and then I, I ended up, I think, with a list of 12, and I applied to 12 schools, which in hindsight was probably too many, but I understand, you know, sort of that impulse to do that because you sort of get these people, I mean, I had people around me who had never even applied to PA school, but they had heard about it or whatever, and they were just like, oh, it's impossible to get in, you'll never get in your first time, you know, just very discouraging, like, chatter around me about it. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I just applied to, you know, wherever. And then there was sort of this like huge period of time where I heard nothing. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to get rejected from everyone. Like I'm never going to get it. And then all of them started like contacting me at once. And then it was like, I had interview after interview after interview. And I was just like, it was overwhelming. And I think if I would have narrowed that list down a little bit more, it would have been more manageable. <laughs> was there anything on your application that you felt was a weakness or red flag that you thought would, I guess, exclude you or keep you from getting interviews? I think that patient care experience. I, because I started so late in, in getting my patient care experience, I had very, very close to the minimum. I think I had um, a thousand hours because that was what uh, like a lot, I would say a large majority of schools were was requiring at the time. I think it may have even gone up. I think a lot of schools require more now, but at the time it was around a thousand for a lot of schools. And so I think I had like 1,008 when I applied, like it was very, um, because I sort of, as soon as I sort of hit that mark of a thousand, I submitted my applications. So I was a little worried, like they're going to see that as, oh, she did the bare minimum of patient care hours and, and all of these things. But so I was definitely worried about that. 
I think that was probably the weakest point of my application. You know, my GPA was pretty good and I had a good GRE. Um, I was involved in a lot of things because I was an athlete and I did some volunteering, but I was just worried about that patient care experience, but it ended up being fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's valid. So, um, and we were kind of opposite. So when I applied, it was a long time ago and I had so many people who were like, why are you worried? You're going to get in. You've done everything. And I was like, you guys don't understand. This is yeah. hard. It's competitive. Don't tell me that. Like That was what my parents were saying to right, me because yeah. people have to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody, when I applied, I was like, what's a PA? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. So out of the 12 schools you applied to, how many interview invites did you receive? I think I got nine interview invites out of the 12 and I did seven of the interviews. And so two of them, you know, were the sort of the last two, no, I guess I went to the last two, just somewhere in the middle in there, there were two schools that offered me an interview and they were, um, out of state far away. And I had already gotten accepted to multiple schools. So I was like, I don't want to waste any more money flying. Like I'm good. I'm not going to take this interview. So I ended up doing seven of the interviews, um, all lot. in different states, and then the school that I went to was right in my home state. So okay. there you go. That's of course, yeah. Um, yeah, that's like my husband doing residency. He applied to twelve programs and ended up staying, or did twelve interviews and ended up staying at the program he did med school at. I was like, okay, yeah. that was big ways. I mean, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta do it. Like you yeah. gotta do it. You never want to say what if. You know, right. you have to make sure that your other options that you've explored them before you decide. Seven interviews is a lot to go on. Yes. It was all a big blur because like I said, it happened they were happening like in succession. So I had interviews that I um, flew to and then instead of, I didn't even fly home between interviews. Like I would fly to one and then from the airport of that one, go to another one. And that's kind of what I was doing. And so it was very, very stressful and also getting flights last minute is hard because the tickets are expensive and like you get like crappy flight times and um, all of them had like two or three connecting flights that one of them I missed and so it was just a very it was a very high stress time but then looking back on it it was kind of fun I just like (laughs) It didn't feel that fun at the time yeah. because I was so nervous. But then when I look back, I'm like, oh, that was really cool. Like to, it was my first experience traveling alone. Yeah. I had always traveled with like family or friends. So, you know, exploring different cities alone, you know, it was, it was fun. So. No, that, that's really cool. So throughout your interview process did, okay. I don't know how to phrase this correctly. So I feel like sometimes when people apply to schools and get an interview, they feel like they are committed to that school at that point and have to love it no matter what. Did going to interviews and seeing that many different programs, were there any that it kind of turned you off of the program or made you go, "Uh, I don't think I would be happy here or I would love it? Um, I think my the very first program I was accepted to, I – Again, I tried to convince myself that I really wanted to go there because at the time it was like the only program I was accepted into. So I was like, oh yeah, it's all great. And trying to like explain away the things I didn't like about it. It was um, like a remote program. So the majority of the lectures were on a video screen. They weren't like an in-person like lecturer, which I thought was kind of strange. And I was like, I don't know if I would like that because I'm kind of one to go up and talk to 
you know, professor, professors or lecturers or go to office hours. That's kind of like how I learn best. And so I was a little concerned with that. Um, you know, they didn't have a cadaver lab. It was all sort of models. And I was like, I've already done models. And, you know, at the time I was like, well, what if I want to work in surgery? And I've never even, you know, seen a could like a real cadaver. Or, um, so there was just sort of things about it that were just not my favorite, but because it was the first um, program I got into, I was like, oh, it'll be fine. Like I'll, I'll love it and I'll get used to it. And so, um, and I probably would have, if, you know, if that ended up yeah. being the only program I got into, I would have probably made the best of it. But yeah, I think after the the first acceptance came in, then every interview that I went on after that, I kind of approached with a more critical eye. And I asked more of those questions because yeah. I'm like, well, now that I'm in, I, to somewhere at least, I kind of can be more selective and I have more choice. And so I, again, I enjoyed those later interviews more because I sort of felt like I was on top versus yeah. like, when you're not accepted anywhere, you're sort of on the bottom and you're like, please take me. But then once you're accepted somewhere, you sort of have the power to be like, okay, do I want to go to this school? And yeah. you can be selective. Do you feel like you got better at interviewing throughout the process? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally would. My first interview, I've always, I mean, at the risk of tooting my own horn, I've always been, like, pretty good at job interviews, like, yeah. growing up and, you know, high school jobs, you know, in restaurants or clothing stores, whatever. You know, I was always pretty good at those interviews. So my first PA school interview, I feel like I was just not nervous enough or prepared <laughs> enough, and I just kind of was like, oh, be like I can interview and that was like one of the only programs I didn't get into was my first interview because I just was not prepared I was not ready for the caliber of questions that I was going to get um and so it was after my first interview that I actually did two mock interviews so that's when I first um kind of learned about the whole mock interview process and so that helped me a lot and then um just you know the more you do it the better you get and I found a lot of programs repeated questions that previous programs had asked. So I kind of had time to think over the answers more. Um, but yeah, so I think it definitely got easier as I went on. Um, be just from the sheer practice of it, practicing yeah. out loud. So doing it more and more. Um, okay. So then you ended up, so how many schools did you get accepted to? Um, out of the seven, five. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot of choices, <laughs> um, which is nice uh, to have, have that kind of luxury there. Um, when it came time to start school, so now we'll kind of talk about your PA school experience. Um, what was your favorite part of school? I think, so this isn't really medicine related, but I think my favorite part of school was honestly the people. Like mm-hmm. I... I went into it expecting, you know, to get along with my classmates because I've always gotten along with classmates and sort of had that sort of school relationship, if you will. Um, But they actually became like some of my greatest friends that I've ever had in my life. And I am still really great friends with them. Um, And I just never expected that going into it, that I would just meet like my people. (laughs) Um, But they're sort of like hand selected for you. Like these are the types... Like whoever accepts people, like, you know, the the program directors or whatever, 
they intentionally sort of create this class that they feel will be cohesive. And so they sort of hand selected 30 of my greatest friends for me. And it's been amazing to get to know them and just, you get to know them on such a deep level very, very quickly because you're going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're going through the very same thing in the same struggles. And like, if you're struggling with something outside of school and life or whatever, you know, they're the people that are around you. So they might see you crying and then they're the people you go to and you just, there's no choice but to get close to these people. And so it was probably, um, the, the fastest I've ever made lifelong friends before. That's a really great way to put it. Yeah. You're just in the trenches and I spoke to a pre-PA club yesterday and I was trying to convey what you said just a lot better than I did Um, (laughs) because I met three of my very best friends and like literally yesterday I talked to all three of them you Mm -hmm. know and so it's just even now as we're like it's funny because now we're working now we're all married now we all have kids and like we we understand each other differently than some of my other friends who I love but they maybe have our stay-at-home moms or have different careers and can't quite understand what it's like to actually be in medicine and do what we do. So yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's really fun. Um, what was the hardest part of PA school? So kind of two things. I think one would be the pace, which I think everyone can sort of agree with. Yep. Um, who's been in PA school. The content is, yes, it's challenging, but it's content that, you know, as you know, people pursuing the PA profession, it's content we want to learn. It's content we're interested in. So I enjoyed, you know, the topics we were studying and the topics we were learning. However, I had never in my life had to learn them as quickly as I did in PA school. You know, when you're an undergrad, you know, maybe you'll go through two or three chapters in a week and you do that in a day in PA school. And so being able to realize that you or kind of force yourself to keep going when you're tired was, was new to me. Um, you don't really get that brain rest. And so it's kind of like, that was mo- the most challenging thing is when I got new content, I really wanted to like take the time, dive in, learn every single detail. Um, you know, when I was an undergrad, I filled up like stacks of notebooks all the time and I didn't have time to do handwritten notes anymore. It was just very different. You know, I had to type everything because I'm a much faster typer than I am a writer. I used to draw pictures. I didn't have time to do that anymore. It was just very much like adjusting to the pace was challenging for me. Um, and so that took a while for me to sort of adjust to that. Um, and then also I would say finances, which is kind of a odd answer, but I think that was a really hard, um, piece for me because, well, a PA school is expensive as it is, but I went into it knowing that PA school would be a big cost to me. Um, and then, you know, cost of living while you're not working is also a cost, but then like what I didn't expect was sort of those added costs that would, (laughs) that would happen through the process. So, you know, just little things that add up, you know, a computer crashes, you need a new computer. Um, you know, you need TB tests before clinicals and they're sort of out of pocket. You have to travel for travel for distant rotations. Now you have to pay for housing and now you have to, um, pay for gas to drive really far. And, you know, we don't have income. So it, it was very sort of challenging to allocate my financial resources. Um, and then when you come out of school, you know, you have, costs to take the pants and costs to apply for your license and all of these things that 
you know, eventually your pockets are just empty. <laughs> so yeah. you really sort of have to navigate. And that was, More that was negative, something really, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so that was something that, I mean, I knew it would be a large cost, but I think it was much larger than I had anticipated and, um, much larger than anything that I had read. Cause you know, the programs will post like, you know, this is your tuition and these are your expected fees or whatever. Um, which, you know, is kind of a gross underestimate in my opinion, because there's so many things that, um, that just add up. So, I mean, luckily I had, um, some savings prior to going in and, you know, I had family that was able to help me, but not everybody has that. So I think that was challenging. Yeah. That's things that you don't necessarily think about or know how to plan for. So I didn't think that that would be one of my biggest stressors in PA school. I thought it would be, you know, learning Mm -hmm. the medicine, but in which that was challenging, but I think I, I underestimated the sort of stress that the financial end of things would put on me yeah. at the time. So, yeah, that's a good, good advice. Um, so I want to know a little bit about what made you choose, choose, chose pediatric endocrinology. All right. So this one's kind of funny. So I went into PA school and you know, all of your, all my family, friends, whoever, they were like, well, what do you want to do in medicine? You know, what do you, what area do you want to work in? Um, and you know, classmates would ask, it's just sort of something that gets brought up in conversation. So very early on, I said, I don't really know yet. I'll do anything but peds. That's what I said. I will do anything but peds because I don't know if I could handle sick kids or stressed out parents or, you know, whatever. I was just like, I just, I don't want to do it. So come, you know, time for clinical rotations and literally within like a week of being in a peds rotation, I was like, I will never do anything else. Like this is where I want to be. Like, this is just like the area of medicine that I am meant for. And I mean, everyone was like, wait, you want to do peds? You said you never wanted to do peds. And I was like, well, I was done then. (laughs) Now I only want to do peds. So I think I, um, there's so many things I love about it. One is just, um, the joy and the strength of kids. Um, you know, they go through some really, really hard stuff and, and take it better than most adults I know would take it. And so, um, that's huge. I love their spirit. And also I just love the environment of peds. I think in healthcare, um, you know, all of us as healthcare providers are very concerned for our patients and, you know, want their, their best interests, um, however, I think it's kind of amplified in peds because it's, it's little people, it's kids. So it's sort of this attitude all of the time of like, how can we make them happier? How can we make this easier for them? And it's always sort of that attitude, whether it's like, we're going to play bingo in the hospital. We're going to bring around puppies in the hospital. We're going to do all these things. It's just, it's just a positive environment that I just like sort of thrived in, um, and so I, and I loved it and endocrinology, I actually had an interest in endocrinology before even liking peds. Like I just sort of, um, I call it like the interest of medicine that I have is like that, that small, like almost molecular area, like hormones, blood well, cells. So like I call that. endocrinology lab, like lab medicine. And yeah. I went into my endocrine rotation thinking like I only took it because it just kind of fit my schedule thinking like, I'm going to hate this. I would never love this. And I loved it. So that's yeah. like 
you just have to have an open mind, but yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm that's a good you. way to put it. I love lab medicine. Is I never knew how to describe what I like. That's, how, that's, that's how it feels to me because you can look at someone's labs or numbers like before you go in the room and kind of know mm-hmm. what you need to do a little bit. So yep. that's, that's what I call it. I don't know. That's probably not official, but yep. yeah. No, I love it because I that's my two biggest areas of interest were endocrinology and hematology. And I think it's for the same reason, yep. that sort of um, lab puzzle that you're trying to mm-hmm. solve. Um, as opposed to, you know, a more mechanical field like ortho, where it's very much, you know, how mechanical and like how do yeah. things move and where ortho is a weakness for me, whereas the labs and things was, was a strength of mine. So that's kind of um, where my interest in endocrinology came from. Um, in speaking to the people that set up our rotations, I, we kind of um, submitted our interests um, and peds and endocrinology where I was interested in both. And so they combined them for me. So I have them okay. to thank because I never told them pediatric endocrinology. I told them peds or endocrinology and they gave me both. So, awesome. so um, yeah, so I have them to thank. And so I did uh, an elective rotation there and at a pediatric endocrinology um, uh, clinic which is actually where I'm going to be working. I did an elective rotation there and then um, went back for an eight week um, preceptorship at the end of my training there. Um, And so, yeah, it just combined two of my areas of interest. And I love that, you know, it is chronic disease, these endo um, diseases. So you really get to know the kids, um, whether they have diabetes or growth hormone deficiency or um, hypothyroidism, hypopit, you know, whatever they have, you sort of um, are with them for the long run because they're always going to have it. So yeah. I really like that sort of, um, relationship aspect of it. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, what would you, what advice would you give someone if they are considering becoming a PA, but not sure about it yet? I would say definitely explore it and, and talk to PAs and shadow PAs. And in addition to that, shadow other healthcare professionals. Um, because I think there's been like a lot of articles coming out lately about, you know, how great the PA profession is and, you know, how it's one of the top professions and all these things, which I agree with. And I think it is, but I think sometimes that might, um, sort of sway people's opinions and they don't even consider going into something else when it may in fact be a better fit for them. So I would say, um, definitely explore and shadow different healthcare professions and don't only shadow PAs because similarly to how, if you only interview at one school, you're going to convince yourself to love it. If you only interview, if you are not interview, if you only shadow one profession, you're going to convince yourself that you love it. Right. When if you shadow that profession and then several others, and then that one sort of comes out on top as, you know, your best experience, then you know, for sure. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely, um, worked with PAs or have met PAs that I I would say the majority of them love that they went into PA and chose PA, but I have met some that said, you know, I wish I would have done something else. I wish I would have gone to medical school or, um, I wish I would have done PT or, you know, something along those lines. Um, so I think definitely just exploring other options and just be really sure. And then once you're sure, then awesome. Then like, just go full, you know, go full on, go for it. Um, you know, just kind of dive in, um, and, and don't look back, but just make sure that you have sort of 
gathered all that information before you make that decision. No, that's perfect. All right. Well, where can everyone find you besides as a coach on the PA platform? (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of have a little baby blog that I just started. Um, It's very new. I've never blogged before, but I've sort of, I love writing. So I kind of have this outlet now of like talking about my whole PA school experience and my new grad experience and, you know, in the coming months, it'll be, you know, my new PA practicing experience. So it is PACInTheCities.com. So no dashes or anything, just PACInTheCities.com. Um, and yeah, I try to post blogs there. Um, you can follow me on Instagram if you want. It's at um, Julia Calling. So just uh, my first name and my last name. Um, and yeah, that's, it's kind of, I think it's a private account, but I don't have one of those like public, um, medicine like accounts. Yeah. It's just literally like my personal Instagram account, but I still love talking to people. So if I get like a DM from someone, cause I think in like my bio, it says I'm a PA. And so I'll occasionally get like DMS from people that are like, Hey, I want to be a PA and other strangers. Cause I think people like search PAs or whatever yeah. on Instagram and then you get people who says it in their bio and I'll always respond. I mean, yeah. so anybody who wants to talk to me more, they can message me through there. All right, we'll, we'll link to all that so they can find <laughs> okay, you. Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs>